The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Barron's Live Market Watch Edition. I'm Alessandra Melito, the retirement reporter for Market Watch, and today joining me is David John, Senior Policy Advisor at AARP Public Policy Institute. Welcome, David. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. This should be fun. Yes. So there has been a lot going on lately in the retirement world, especially with inflation and interest rates and market volatility and crypto and just basically everything else. Um, So I'm going to just dive into the questions right now, if you don't mind. That sounds good to me. Perfect. So I guess my first question is, what would you say is the biggest impact inflation has had on Americans' retirement plans these days? You know, the biggest impact is uncertainty. People don't, we're not used to having inflation. The last time was about 40 years ago. So people don't really know how to react. And what we're seeing is a lot of concern. Do I have enough money? Will my money last? Uh, Essentially, what is my future? And I'm afraid that's going to continue for quite a while. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot being introduced to people for the first time in a while. Inflation, um, you know, extreme market volatility. We've seen, you know, a bull market for so long. I think people forgot what it was like to see things go down. Um, But how would you describe the retirement landscape these days? Um, You know, are Americans prepared for their retirements? You know, we have a certain number who are, but by and large, no. I mean, and one of the things that we're seeing, for instance, in our studies, and we're seeing this in other studies also, is that the real concern right now is of people who are approaching retirement. They're very concerned that they don't have enough money saved. Of course, they don't really have a way of measuring that at this point. And uh, we are seeing some changes in investment behavior, both positive and negative. But uh, most of that, it's a mess. We have still in this country roughly 57 million people, it's about 47% of the private sector workforce, who are not covered by a retirement savings plan or pension or anything along that line. So it's especially hard for these people to try to figure out what they need and to prepare for the future. Absolutely. And are there any reasons why people might not be as prepared as they um, as they should be or they would like for retirement? Yes, actually, there are several when it comes right down to it. As I just mentioned, coverage is one. We have a tremendous number of people who want to retire or save for retirement and things like that, but they just simply don't have the ability to do so. We know that payroll deduction is an essential feature. Because even if you have the best intentions in the world, uh, the kids need to go to the dentist. The, the car has to be repaired or something along that line. So if you don't have that payroll deduction, people actually don't save for the most part. We also have a, a situation that 
it is really difficult to move retirement savings from one employer to another. And especially with COVID and the like, we've seen a lot more churn in the workforce than we have in the past. It's all too easy to have just somebody hand you a check when you leave and then you start over again. So that's a serious problem. And then we have the, the industry problem across the world, especially in inflationary times. I've got this lump of retirement savings. I've just retired. I've been trained throughout my working career to preserve savings and spend income. What am I going to do with this? How do I convert this? How do I make sure I'm not going to run out of money? I know that that last, I mean, they're all major concerns, but that last one has been especially uh, top of mind for people given the inflation, especially around withdrawing or not knowing how much to withdraw or withdrawing more because, you know, the cost of living has gone up. Could you talk a little bit about how inflation is affecting um, retirees uh, as far as, you know, like you said, the distribution and withdrawal aspect of it all? Well, the, the key factor is that most retirement income products right now are not inflation protected. So if you have something like an annuity and an 8% uh, inflation rate, the spending value of that can go down rather precipitously. And instead, what we're seeing people start to do, and this is crucial, is to start to focus once more on Social Security, because Social Security is inflation protected. Every January 1st, your payments will go up according to the inflation rate. Uh, so we are seeing people look at that. We are seeing people, unfortunately, especially when you combine with the market volatility, people are making one of two serious errors. One is that they look at the volatility and they say, oh my gosh, I can't afford to lose anymore. So I'm going to put my money in something really safe that uh, it's not going to lose. But unfortunately, that also means most of the time it's not going to grow very much. So what you're really doing at that point is locking in your losses and keeping your balance down. And the flip side is, especially in this time of financial uncertainty, this is the time when the financial sharks come out and go after consumers. So you get, well, I actually got three of them this morning, emails promising me high returns if I would only give my savings over to such and such a person and they would invest them for me and take care of all, all my problems. I mean, the old retirement maxim, investing maxim of if something sounds too good to be true, it certainly is, applies here. So being very cautious is something that we need more people to do. Yeah, absolutely. And what about for older workers or those who are still preparing for retirement? How has inflation affected just that whole preparation process or the saving process? Well, what we're seeing actually is most people are continuing on it. And inflation is a little bit too new for us to have a, a whole lot of a hold yet on what this is doing. We are seeing some people obviously start to change investments. Some people start to save more. But what's more important, what we're seeing, we've got an AARP study on this, is that an increasing number of people are saying, I'm going to continue to work in retirement or I'm going to put off my retirement or something along that line. 
and this is especially true of those who haven't retired yet. They're the ones who are dealing with most of the uncertainty. Part of this is COVID. I mean, there's a, a study that was done by the Census Bureau showing that in a recession or in COVID, older workers are moved out of the workforce faster than anyone else. And my AARP colleague, Jen Schramm, uh, did some studies showing that older workers are likely to be uh, out of the workforce longer. Their unemployment will be significantly longer than it would be otherwise. And we are seeing that. We saw that in the last year. We are gradually seeing more and more people start to ease back into the workforce. But the Census Bureau article showed that that tends to be much slower. Uh, and even today, uh, something like a quarter of older unemployed people have had significant periods of unemployment, as opposed to roughly 20% of uh, younger workers. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually just want to take a moment to remind the audience to submit questions because in a little bit we will be uh, we'll be going over them. Yeah. All right. So speaking of the older workforce, you know, you mentioned unemployment, um, the pandemic. I, I know that people are starting to come back after taking some time off of retiring during the height of the pandemic. What else are you seeing in that area? How how um, how is the older workforce being affected by just everything that's been going on these days? Well, uh, Jen's work shows that uh, we are seeing a rise in uh, participation. For instance, workers 55 to 65 are back in the workforce pretty much at the level that they were before COVID hit. 65 and up are still significantly below. And these are people who are working to go, in, some of them want to go back into the workforce. They may have been forced into retirement with, because of lack of job prospects in the last couple of years. And many of them are, but it, it's still a, a relatively slow, painful process. And what we're seeing now is that with the uh, rise in talk of a recession, that's what we need on top of everything else at this point, that there's going to start to be a, a slowing of the hiring uh, practice. This is just sort of general. And I'm afraid, based on Jen's work, this looks like it's going to be uh, especially hitting the, the older workers. Yes, I know that the older workforce usually has more challenges when it comes to the hiring process. Age uh, discrimination is you know, rampant in yes. the labor market. Um, and the pandemic probably has uh, shaken things up a little bit. Uh, could you chat a little bit about how the pandemic might affect the way that older Americans work in general, as far as, you know, maybe the types of jobs that they have, or if uh, virtual or uh, working from home is an option, or um, just the way that they may end up retiring after all of this is hopefully done? Well, now that this is a really interesting question at this point, because overall retirement has been changing. I mean, traditionally, the idea was that you work for X number of years and then you stopped. And depending on your 
choices. You either worked on the golf course from the rest of your life, or you sat on a beach sipping something or other wonderful, and that was it. And, and that's increasingly not the case. And this predates COVID. Uh, increasingly, we are seeing people who need to work but we're also seeing people who want to work because it gets them out of the house, it gives them a sense of worth, uh, it gives them a social network. They're not just sitting at home watching a TV or doing something in the garden, et cetera. So that's been continuing on and the COVID crisis actually has accelerated that. We are seeing a significant number of people of all ages who are <laughs> Sorry, that's the uh, lawnmower in the background. Uh, hopefully, he'll be gone in a second. Uh, who that's are, okay. I can hear you. <laughs> good. I'm glad. But we're seeing a significant number of people who now can work from home, and that actually can give you the same type of uh, sense of worth and things along that line. One of the things that's been very interesting is the increase in number of people who are uh, starting their own business, that they're doing something having to do with consulting or they uh, have something that they can make or some skill that they can use. And in many cases, when people are retiring from their career job, if you will, they can move into something that is different, something they've wanted to do all their life. And that's uh, an increasing trend that we're seeing. And we expect that to continue. Uh, obviously, depending on the, the various and sundry uh, proclivities of the stock market and things like that, uh, that's going to affect uh, the ability to sell and things along that line. But it's an interesting, changing, developing period, both in retirement savings and pensions, but also just in general of how we look at the say the last third of our lives. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually want to get back to inflation for a moment. Sure. Um, uh, how might the rising cost of living also change the way that Americans think about retirement or actually approach it if they are doing so you know, in the near future? Well, the, the biggest thing that we're seeing now is uh, that people are very nervous about retiring and they the fact that they aren't going to have a regular paycheck coming in from this point forward that they're going to have to use whatever other assets they've got social security a pension if they've got one savings and things like that with the uncertainty that uh, we're seeing uh, people are, are essentially saying I, i'm not ready for this I, i'm I want to continue to have something that I can depend on. Uh, unfortunately, uh, risk is a part of life. And we've been really lucky in the last few years about uh, interest rates and things like that. But inflation does more than just affect your investments. We are seeing, as a matter of fact, there was an article this morning pointing out that it we're already starting to see the effect of inflation on grocery uh, purchases, that people are not buying certain luxury goods or they're more inclined to uh, buy uh, something other than a brand name or something along that line. But it also has a significant impact on the cost of debt. And we are seeing senior citizens have 
much more debt than they used to in the past when they go into retirement. Uh, rising interest rates also means that credit card rates are going to go up. Mortgage rates are already almost double what they were a few years ago. So that's likely to have an impact on how we use our money and frankly, the freedom to spend as opposed to what we have to deal with in order to service debt, meet housing costs and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I know that I've seen it in grocery stores. I've seen it when I put gas in my car. I've even seen it in my takeout coffee prices. Um, but I still, I still have to, you know. <laughs> Me too, actually. Uh, so I, <laughs> there you go. So I know that um, all of this is very overwhelming, especially for retirees who might be living on a fixed income. Could you um, talk a little bit about just maybe one or two things that retirees can do to uh, maybe get past this moment or make it through this moment? Well, the problem is that if you're on a fixed income at this point, what we are mostly seeing is people cutting back. And this is what we've seen in past recessions and past problems also, that people basically look at things that they don't absolutely have to do and they're, they cut back on that. So I, I'm afraid there's realistically no way around that. I mean, trying to get greater uh, returns in your stock market investments or other investments really can be a fool's paradise if you're not really careful on that. Uh, other things, though, that you can do if it's at all possible, this is the time where if you can find another job, and do something that you are physically capable of doing and want to do, this is the time to do it. There is no magic bullet for how to deal with it at this point. Hopefully, for people who are approaching retirement again, delay your Social Security, even if you have to live on some level of retirement savings in the interim, because Social Security continues to go up fairly substantially between the time of your normal retirement age, 66, 67 or so, and age 70, it goes up 8% a year. And that's locked in so that inflation won't affect that. So the larger the proportion that comes from Social Security or something along that line, the better it is. Um, and, and I'm afraid there, as I say, I wish I could have some sort of magic bullet to say, well, this is the way you can deal with it uncomfortably and the like, but it's not, unfortunately. This is where it, it becomes painful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I want to jump into audience questions because we've actually gotten quite a few of them and they're really, really good. Cool. So. I will just get started. All right. Alan asked, what should single women who are considering retiring do to make sure they have enough saved? That is other than rely on Social Security. Well, you know, assuming that you're working and you're saving in a 401k or something along that line now, the best thing you can do is actually continue to save. There's something called dollar cost averaging. And what this means is that if when the market was high, you were buying stocks or bonds or things like that for $10. If you're contributing the same amount 
and they're five dollars, you're getting twice as many. And that means that when the markets start to recover, and they will, it, we're not sure precisely when, but they will, that your savings and your uh, your income level goes up rather substantially. So stopping savings, uh, going into something that's either overly risky or under risky uh, is a mistake. So continue on. And again, if you can delay retirement, if you're physically capable of doing that, uh, that's a good, good way to end it. Yeah, absolutely. Be persistent. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And uh, Tracy asked, how would you advise near retirees, those within five to 10 years, who got a late start saving for retirement, how they, um, how do you think they could catch up? This depends on your income level and <clears throat> what your other expenses are. The, the, the good news is that any amount you can save is better. So whatever you can put away, please continue to do so. Uh, if you are above a certain age, you can actually contribute more if you have the income level to do it. Uh, there's something called a catch-up contribution that uh, you can put in even more than the legal limits uh, for the last roughly 10 years of your workforce or work life. Uh, so if you can afford to do that. Now, unfortunately, realistically speaking, that mainly applies to upper income individuals. But another thing which is really crucial going forward here is to plan. I mean, planning is painful for all of us. I mean, looking here and, oh my gosh, I can't afford this, that, or the other thing. But it's an essential thing so that you aren't shocked suddenly to discover, oh my gosh, I, I, I can't do this or I can't do that, etc. Even just sitting down with your spouse or partner and working out, uh, here's where we go from this point forward is a huge step in the, the right direction. And then if you can start to keep track of what you're spending and why, and that will help you to, to plan for the future. Planning is an essential part. We see study after study that shows if you can plan, you uh, actually have a much better chance of uh, having a good retirement. Yeah, I actually have heard um, uh, some people suggest making like a, a date out of it. So whether it's with a spouse or you know a significant other or an adult child or even just yourself, um, going through your financial documents, seeing what you want to accomplish, what you think you might need to do to get there, maybe having a glass of wine or a cup of coffee while you do it, Making it fun, or as fun as one can make it, <laughs> uh, definitely eases <laughs> the, the stresses. Um, yeah. so and, you know, point. there's one other thing. You see recommendations. If you go Google planning and things like that, you'll see all kinds of recommendations Say, well, you need to have six months emergency savings or a million dollars or something along that line. And all too often, especially for moderate income people, that's discouraging. And actually, you don't. You can, anything you can do along that line is better. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Michael asked, I am in my late 50s and I was expecting to buy a house. With interest rates rising and the pricing of houses rising, should I not have a mortgage when I go into retirement? Now that's financial advice, so I'm not going to touch uh, quite that specific. 
But the, the fact of the matter is that um, housing prices are, depend on two things, the price of the house and the price of the financing. And it's the two together that determine what you can afford. The, the key question is going to be for anyone in that kind of a situation is to look at your resources, look at what you're going to have going forward and uh, make a decision on what you can actually continue to afford to pay when you go into retirement. Uh, all too often, we focus on what I can do right now, the, the present bias, and especially for something along that line, as one who bought a house at roughly that age, uh, is, is uh, what am I going to have going forward, and can I continue to afford and to maintain this property? Absolutely. And Michael, I will add that MarketWatch has a column called Help Me Retire, and uh I write it. A lot of people have asked that question. So if you want, you can always feel free to go to Market Watch's Help Me Retire page and see what everybody uh, is worried about and what we have to say about it. <laughs> so Steve asked, what do you think is the number one mistake that a retiree can make in this inflationary environment? Is it being too conservative with their investment decisions like you mentioned earlier or something else? You know, um, for a new retiree, the biggest mistake that we have is that typically people, when they retire in the first year, actually spend more than they did uh, in the previous year, because this is the time you finally get to take that wonderful trip you've always dreamed of, or to buy this, that, and the other that you've always dreamed of, and that you're sort of rewarding yourself at this point. The biggest mistake you can make right now is spending too much, especially in a down market. Because when you pull out money from your retirement savings uh, for whatever, uh, you're taking right now a much bigger proportion of the whole than you might when it goes back up. So it, caution is probably the order of the day here. Absolutely. Actually, Susan um, commented saying, uh, for several months before my husband and I retired, we practiced living on what income we believed we would have. We failed to do that, but the exercise was very instructive and we made changes to our budget plan. I think that's a really great um, strategy. That's brilliant. <laughs> yes, congratulations. That's fantastic. I love that. Uh, so Kay asked, and this is, this is a big question, but Kay asked, what do I need to know to be able to retire in two years? So I know that that encompasses quite a bit, but what do you think are maybe some of the number one or number two things that people should be uh, planning for? Number one is what resources are you going to have? And once again, Social Security front and center here. Number two, however, is uh, what can you spend? And this is the point where whether you're living on your retirement budget or whether you're making the planning or something along that line, that's key. The one thing that uh, you don't want to do more than anything else, and we've said this several times, but I, it's worth repeating, uh, just because you got uh, advice of some fantastic investment that's going to boost you up to where you were before or beyond, doesn't mean that it's good advice. As a matter of fact, it's probably very bad advice. So steady on, 
plan? What, what am I going to have, et cetera? And then make the decision. Do you really need to retire at this point in time? Can you delay to three years, four years, or something along that line? Yep, definitely. Joseph asked, what is fixed income? Is a pension a fixed income? Yes, actually, fixed income is essentially any income source that comes in readily. So Social Security is fixed income, which moves up. Pension is fixed income. Uh, most pensions are not inflation adjusted once you retire. So that's something to ask uh, as you go forward. Yes. And I will add, um, as far as Social Security is concerned, people should consider making an account with the Social Security Administration. Uh, that will definitely help as far as giving you an idea of what benefit you could expect at various claiming ages. Is, is that right? Absolutely. And, and that is very much. How could I have not mentioned that? But uh, <laughs> that, yes, that will give you an idea. It's not a perfect uh, example, but it will give you a very good idea of what you are. And if you continue to working to work after that, your benefit will go up. This is even after you've claimed benefits. Yeah. Uh, Mary asked if you could highlight some of the tax benefits of contributing to HSAs. Um, uh, she actually mentioned quite a few, like the catch-up contribution for people 55 and up, and that you could use it for uh, any reason, including Medicare, I'm um, sorry, not Medicare, healthcare. Once right. you turn 65, could you maybe talk a little bit about that and some of the other vehicles you mentioned for retirement savings and planning? Well, HSAs are one, and the, the HSAs because they're health and health issue. And I learned very quickly in my career that health is a completely different beast. So I don't touch on that as much. But for instance, one that is uh, very useful it would be something like a Roth IRA. A Roth IRA has the extra value that at any point you can pull out your own contributions if you absolutely have to without a, a tax penalty on that. So a Roth IRA is a good one. Obviously, the 401k or, or the various and sundry others are, are a tax preference gives you an extra boost and it helps you with your planning here. Uh, one of the advantages of a Roth is that uh, you don't pay taxes on your uh, withdrawals once you've reached certain requirements there. A traditional one, uh, you will have tax penalties. And one of the things that people often forget to do is to factor in taxes when you're making your, your plan. Yes, absolutely. Taxes can be quite a surprise for some people. <laughs> yes, definitely. So Neil asked, um, I read an article that recommends changing your asset allocation more towards bonds or fixed income initially in retirement than as you approach 70 and your maximum social security kicks in, beginning to change your asset allocation towards equities. Um, now, I don't want to go into the financial advice because I know that, you know, there's yeah. a lot there. But yeah. um, as far as your research goes or just, you know, your work, um, what should people know about asset allocation in retirement? Well, this has been a, a big argument for decades now as to whether or not you have, for instance, a target date fund where you reduce your risk as you get closer and closer to retirement. You do want to do that. And if you're in a target date fund, that's automatically uh, happens. However, uh, you are then losing 
a certain amount of your future growth. Um, it, it, it's something to be very careful of. And, and regardless of what decision you make on that, you don't want to go to an extreme. You don't want to say, well, I was at 45% stocks and now I'm going to go to 15% or something along that line. Uh, be, be moderate in any of your uh, changes going forward. Definitely. So we only have time for one more question, and this one is actually going to be from me. Okay. So uh, we have talked quite a bit about so many various uh, important topics within retirement planning, inflation, interest rates, Social Security, uh, Mark Veltoli, all of that. We, we covered a lot in 30 minutes. Um, but what would you say is one big takeaway for people who are planning or preparing for their retirement right now or they're worried about it? What do you suggest that they do tonight or this weekend to uh, get a leg up for their future? Yeah, I, I, this is a scary time. And it, it's scary in a lot of different ways. We've got inflation, we've got market volatility, I and mean, we touched on all of that. The best thing you can do first off tonight, which we've already talked about, is sit down with your spouse and partner. What, what do we have? What, where do we want to go as a family how will this affect our family the next best thing then uh especially over a glass of wine or something stronger is to start the the planning process yeah that sounds great to me well thank you so much for speaking with me david unfortunately that is all the time that we have for today um and thank you to our audience for tuning in i hope you enjoyed we uh, hope you listen to our next episode tomorrow. Barron's Epity, uh, Deputy Editor Alex Yule and Associate Editor for Technology Eric Savas discuss the outlook for tech companies and individual stocks. Also, I would like to mention that Market Watch for, um, will be having its Best New Ideas in Money Festival on September 21st and 22nd in New York City. Please see the slide, uh, the slide and chat box for more details. Thank you all again so much for listening today. We hope you stay safe and have a great day. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.